I'm Janet Silver from Syntax Strategic. And I'm Cameron Groom from Microbics Biosystems. Thanks for joining us for Diagnostics Beyond the Lab. On this podcast, we talk to industry leaders in the scientific and health community about discoveries, challenges, and what they see as the way forward in their fields. And Cameron, today we are going to talk about sample collection for infectious diseases, something we all came to experience firsthand over the last couple of years with PCR tests for COVID collected either through the nasal or throat swabs. And in addition to that type of sample collection and testing, COVID also highlighted the importance of reliable sample stabilization and transport, ensuring test accuracy and maintaining reliable supply chains. Copan Group, based in Italy, is a leader in these fields. So joining us from Brescia, Italy, is Giorgio Triva, Strategic Project Manager of Copan. Benvenuto e grazie, Giorgio. Thank you, Cameron. Great. Well, Giorgio, Copan began over 40 years ago, and about 20 years ago, your family-owned company created the Flock Swap, which uh, most of us have come to know as the swab put up our noses to test for COVID. Can you uh, start by taking us back to how that idea came about? Sure. Well, first of all, uh, as you may know, COPAN stands for Collection and Preservation for Analysis. So producing swab has always been uh, our uh, main core business and, uh, and the main reason of existence for this, uh, for this company. So my father had uh, invented the, the flock swab during uh, a rainy day in, uh, here in Brescia while uh, he was uh, visiting uh, one large market with, uh, with my mother. And actually, uh, she, he noticed uh, looking at some hangers, the, the, the tool used to, to keep, you know, jackets in, in the closets. Uh, he noticed uh, some kind of uh, velvet treatment on the on the external side of this uh, of this tool, which is typically used to keep uh, the jacket uh, firm uh, once they are, uh, you know, uh, hanged on these hangers. So, looking at this uh, treatment, he had this uh, kind of epiphany where uh, he, he got the idea of exploiting this treatment uh, in in the microbiological field in order to improve the way uh, clinical swabs uh, were, uh, were manufactured, uh, basically improving their performance of absorbing and releasing uh, biological samples. So with regards to the flock swab, Giorgio, it looks, when I look at it, it looks really very similar to a Q-tip, you know, what people will use maybe to clean their ears or clean jewelry or what have you. How is it different than a Q-tip, the flock swab, versus the Q-tip, and why could you not use a Q-tip for these kind of tests? Well, for sure, uh, they could look similar, uh, even though we are talking about a medical device. So there's uh, a bit of science behind uh, that is maybe not clearly visible, but it's uh, surely very important. So uh, let's uh, first start from uh, uh, the scope of, uh, of a swab, which is uh, basically to attract uh, an analyte and being uh, and even and, and more importantly to be able to uh, make this analyte available for downwards for any kind of chemistry used to perform uh, uh, any diagnosis so 
again, it could seem a simple object, but uh, there's a, some kind of a physical studies uh, to, to, to make it uh, uh, in a way which is uh, um, working well for the, for the typical workflow used in a clinical diagnostics. So the main reason why flock swaps anyhow are superior uh, compared, for example, to other kind of, uh, of traditional swaps or foam swaps uh, is uh, uh, related to the way the fibers which are used to functionalize the, the swab uh, are uh, deposited on the on the stick used to to basically as an holder to to collect uh, the sample uh, in this uh, kind of a treatment which is the the flocking technology we invented we create a kind of microstructure of cells that are just uh, the perfect way to, to guarantee a balance between the capacity of the system to absorb the sample, but not retaining it too much, and so being able to release it when needed for, for the chemistry used downwards, as I said before. So a fast capillary-based, uh, capillary-like uptake and a, and a complete and fast release as well. So, so diving into that a little more deeply, Giorgio, um, precisely how much better is, is uh, sampling with a copan flock swab uh, compared to a, spot, a cotton swab, a Q-tip, or another spun fiber type swab? Well, as, as I said, the swabs exist, uh, exist from, a, from a quite a long time. So uh, copan was also and still is uh, also a manufacturer of, uh, of uh, traditional banded uh, swabs. Uh, so we we invented the flock swabs to improve what was the our portfolio of products at that time and from our studies that were very frequently done also thanks to the collaboration of the of the clinical community we could notice basically an improvement of four folds in terms of the performance of releasing the the analyte compared to for example the the bounded swabs, which are very similar to the Q-tips, even more, let's say, and the foam or sponge swabs that you mentioned uh, just a uh, just few seconds ago. So uh, basically, the, the importance of these, uh, of these uh, performances is that uh, thanks to this uh, improvement, we can reduce the chances of getting false negatives. And at the end, this is uh, allowing to have a better diagnostics, uh, which reflects uh, in a better management of the cure for the patient. Certainly, we, we've seen similar performance advantages in our own uh, data, Georgia, where variability of, of controls on a copan swab is plus or minus 5% or in that order compared to perhaps as much as plus or minus 100% variability on traditional swabs. So it's a, it's a, real, it's a real thing and a real advantage. How, how do you then uh, ensure that each copan flock swap uh, performs consistently? For sure, uh, creating a company that uh, is basing uh, its success uh, on, on uh, this very tiny niche of the diagnostic field uh, has been the first driver of the, of the reason why we uh, invested a lot in uh, guaranteeing the quality of our product uh, in the last 40 years. Quality clearly is not a negligible parameter, uh, especially 
when dealing with uh, medical devices that influence the quality of a therapy. Uh, so I, I like to say that like Apple in the, in the PC industry, Copans has always believed in the value of having a, a kind of end-to-end -end control of, it, of its processes. Uh, this means that starting from the very small plastic grain that we use uh, to injection mold our sticks uh, till uh, the finished product uh, is, uh, is done. Um, and thanks, obviously, to the hard work of very passionate uh, team, we have, been we have been able to develop uh, uh, a lot of technologies that allow us to check uh, effective, efficiently and effectively the quality of, of each single product that is manufactured. More in particular, I would say that we exploit a lot of uh, imaging technologies to detect uh, even the smallest details that are not uh, visible with, uh, with uh, the, 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 the human eye. Uh, and uh, and uh, our quality is then certified also by the recognition of our brand uh, on the market, uh, also in very challenging markets like, uh, like for example, the Japanese one, which is very, very peculiar when it comes on uh, on measuring the quality of the product, also for very simple aesthetic defects. Giorgio, we started off the podcast referencing COVID-19 and how we've all come to recognize the flock swab as something that we put up our nose to do those COVID tests. And I'm just wondering, are there other applications uh, where flock swabs can be used in terms of sample collection? Absolutely. Well, uh, as uh, the, the respiratory viruses uh, are uh, one family of, uh, of, of reasons why uh, people should could be tested. Anyhow, you have to consider uh, flock swabs and more generally the, the swab uh, product family as a typically general purpose tool for non-invasive collections. Uh, to make some example, there are other applications where uh, this approach is applied. You can think about HPV screening with vaginal samples, stool testing for, again, bacterial contamination or parasites, uh, and many other cases where a simple and more practical tool of sampling is preferred over more invasive approaches. Uh, if you think also about uh, how the scale of testing is growing uh, over the last decades, uh, it's clearly very important to keep uh, uh, the feasibility of these programs uh, uh, thanks to, the, to an easy way of collecting these samples. At the end, uh, let's say simplicity is the ultimate sophistication, someone said. Well, certainly we've seen uh, we've seen the importance of block swap technology through COVID and getting better accuracy on testing has been uh, uh, incredibly important. But now that now that we've had that run through of the, the importance of proper sample collection technologies like block swaps, Giorgio, what, what by extension would be your thought about the importance of some of the uh, medium-based um, sample transport devices and practices? I'm thinking about some of the liquid medium that the swabs go into to stabilize them for testing. Yes. So, uh, again, uh, we are talking about large-scale testing, and this is typically requiring a high-throughput system, which means that... Uh, very often uh, samples need to be transported somewhere else to, to be tested uh, uh, and to and very very often to central laboratories uh, that are uh, 
taking care of these of these activities uh, with a with an economy of scale which is uh, allowing them to 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 make these uh, analyses uh, in a, in a fast enough uh, and economically viable way so when you have to then transport the sample the issue again comes uh, with the integrity of, of it so uh, it, it's very clear that uh, the, the importance uh, not to waste this uh, precious sample uh, is uh, on on uh, on the ability to to keep uh, basically the 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 target that you are searching for in a kind of a stable uh, and stationary situation until the moment uh, it reaches uh, the, the 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 testing center and in order to, in order to do that very often uh, uh, it's required the usage of particular mediums uh, to guarantee these requirements are respected. So uh, Copan has uh, worked uh, um, many years developing uh, its own uh, reagents and solutions uh, to do that. Uh, UTM, uh, which is the universal transport medium, uh, was very was often used for, for COVID testing in the last two years. Uh, but we have also other types like uh, like ENAT, for example, uh, which is one of our solution to uh, basically immediately inactivate the sample at the point of collection, reducing the risk associated with the spreading uh, dangerous pathogens uh, uh, during the supply chain or, or the logistic uh, or uh, in a better way, uh, and also uh, giving the ability to have a safer management of these samples once they reach uh, the, the testing laboratory. Very good. And uh, through, throughout the pandemic, we, we've seen that reliable access to pretty much any testing related materials has been, been very difficult, uh, especially with regards to high quality materials. As a, uh, a long-standing leader in the diagnostic field, particularly, of course, with sample collection and handling, um, what, what insights might you share on behalf of Colpan about supply chains and how to ensure their integrity and, and security uh, for infectious diseases testing? Well, it has been surely an active period for, uh, for all of us uh, working in this field. Uh, considering that uh, um, no one could, even though there were some kind of, uh, of alerts from, from the scientific community and uh, about the possibility of a pandemic sooner or later, uh, it's also true that no one could uh, predict pre precisely when, when it would appear. So um, Copan found itself as one of the few suppliers for these uh, critical components uh, and we immediately reacted to, to the pandemic of the century, knowing uh, the responsibility that we were uh, having on our shoulders. And uh, any component of the company have uh, worked uh, uh, on a daily basis, uh, remembering uh, the importance uh, of, uh, of, its, of, of our work uh, in order to let others to save lives. Uh, in the last two years, uh, we have... Uh, uh, do, we have done our best to increase our manufacturing capacity uh, and uh, we have uh, opened actually two manufacturing, manufacturing facilities uh, abroad in uh, North America um, in order to diversify the risk uh, of, uh, of the supply chain side. 
also shortening uh, the distance from from the uh, end point of consumption for for our product. Uh, besides that, uh, we have invested a lot uh, to improve our capabilities in uh, predicting the demand and uh, um, trying uh, also artificial intelligence technologies uh, in order to read uh, weak signals of, of the demand and activating uh, then decisions uh, uh, faster than, than in the past. Uh, the basic, uh, anyway, need for this uh, supply chain optimization is anyhow the ability to keep data accessible to any of the player, uh, any any player who is working actively in the medical device industry, providing products that are used for uh, for epidemiological control, basically. So this was true uh, surely in during the, the COVID uh, peak times because uh, we were reading uh, journals and and uh, data about the the testing capacities that were available for uh, almost anyone on the world. Um, we should keep uh, this approach, uh, uh, let's say, active because uh, uh, this will surely help uh, us and many other players in order also to detect, for example, a new pot potential emergency in the future. It's, a, it's amazing to see how much has changed over the past nearly three years now. Um, few people had heard going back that far of uh, swab-based sample collection, viral transport medium, coal pan, or for that matter, microbics. Um, now a lot of that's changed, but you know, do, do you see us being prepared for another pandemic if we see uh, a, a pandemic in 2024 or some point in the future? Uh, are we prepared? And, you know, if, if so, why? And if, if not, why not? Well, humbly, I, I cannot uh, be the, the person who can answer for uh, on a global basis for on, on this, but for sure we are more prepared compared pre-COVID. Uh, the whole industry have actually responsibly invested to scale up the production of basically everything that would be needed uh, next time a new pandemic occurs. So... Anyhow, this strategy cannot, in my opinion, be left in the end of, uh, of the private uh, sector only. Uh, these investments must be maintained uh, somehow, uh, and anyhow, some sort of continuous control uh, in order to detect the weak signals I, I was uh, mentioning before uh, should be maintained in order to, to, to recognize if a new pandemic uh, occurs. The complexity comes also from the fact that uh, this is not an issue that one country alone could resolve. It, it requires basically a global intervention with a coordinated uh, rules and flow of information that then reflects in the ability to react right in time to keep these risks under control. That's my opinion. So, Giorgio, you're talking about... Um preparations for a possible future pandemic. But I'm just wondering, looking back to what we've just gone through, are there lessons to be learned for policymakers, for those working in labs, laboratory directors, with what we've just gone through that we could implement now or should implement? Well, for sure, uh, 
talking about vaccines, uh, they have contributed uh, a lot in reducing uh, strongly the risks uh, associated with this specific uh, pathogen. Uh, Let's not forget anyhow that testing is the only way to detect uh, if if a new emergency occurs. And uh, again, having a more coordinated international action plan could be, in my opinion, a more useful way in exploiting the resources that are typically scarce, where where and when they are more needed. Assisting again, for example, to a sort of, uh, I don't know if this exists in English, caravan assault uh, with the objective to to get hold of uh, as many resources as possible could be uh, maybe not the best way to mitigate the consequences. Uh, could be a good way to mitigate the consequences uh, locally, but might not be the right answer to control an enemy who doesn't care basically of uh, geopolitics uh, borders. So in, in the next future, hopefully not ne- not so next, uh, my, my, my hope is that uh, truly policymakers will, uh, will find a way to... to create more synergies in, in this case. Because again, if you have a, a surge in, 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 let's say, in a positive rate in a, special, in a specific region, stockpiles uh, 1,000 kilometers far away from there are maybe not so relevant uh, in order to, again, control that risk. And if that risk spreads, then uh, we are not probably optimizing the resources at, at their best. So some of that, some of that um, capacity that's been built up, for example, coming out of COVID, you know, how how do you think we should be deploying that over the next decade or you know, couple of decades? Is that in biovigilance for new pathogens? Is that for uh, better uh, better healthcare more generally? Are there any specific areas that that Copan has identified that that uh, those resources should be allocated towards? Okay, so difficult answer, <laughs> but uh, I don't expect to have a crystal ball here. Uh, I would say from our side, being a pre-analytical company, we are here to serve uh, basically any need uh, that could emerge uh, uh, and any use case that could be useful for uh, for. Uh, the management of these uh, of these risk of these risks uh, on a, on a community basis. Uh, my personal dream would be to to see like a kind of an higher degree of decentralization of diagnostic tools, not necessarily in opposition with the current uh, centralized infrastructures, but maybe opening the door to new use cases that today we as a society are not able to, to target or to detect. So this uh, scenario would surely require safe, simple and economically viable technological tools. But uh, if again, we, we make a comparison to what happened in the personal computer industry, comparing uh, how mainframes were used uh, before, I Kind of the, I kind of feel uh, a, positive, a positive thrill for, for what could come next uh, in, uh, in the microbiological field. Are you thinking about self-collection and point-of-care testing, Giorgio? Absolutely, absolutely. For sure, uh, bringing uh, 
potential positive uh, uh, contaminated uh, individuals to a single point uh, to, to get them tested might not be at the end uh, the best way to control uh, this kind of risks. At, at the same time, uh, we are clearly to manage uh, a, a regulated uh, market uh, with the uh, needs of uh, certifying the validity of this product and the validity of the results that uh, that these uh, diagnostic tools uh, can uh, can give. So it's uh, it's not an easy answer, but uh, I mean uh, the humanity have, have been able to to reinvent. Uh, uh, itself many times and creating uh, uh, fantastic inventions. So I don't want to limit our fantasy here in uh, in uh, imagining how in the next uh, pandemic we will react. At the end, uh, the, the objective, uh, in my opinion, should be potentially not to generate a new pandemic. So being able to detect it uh, fast enough in order to, uh, let's say, to limit the spread uh, in a way in which uh, basically we, we, we avoid it. Uh, but again, even uh, if uh, this is not possible, uh, having the ability to, to test people in a decentralized manner is uh, for sure interesting as a, as a, let's say, technological infrastructure where to develop new use cases. At the moment, uh, I, I don't have one. <laughs> no, Otherwise, no. I would uh, surely... Uh, propose it, but, uh, but I believe there are uh, potential opportunities there to, to improve uh, the way we know our communities and we know the, the leverages we can, uh, we can play to, to at the end uh, provide to these communities uh, a, a better way of living. Well, Giorgio, we'll be watching to see if those global synergies actually come to fruition. Giorgio Triva from Copan, based in Brescia, Italy. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, uh, Giorgio. Privileged to be working with you and, and the Copan team on helping to realize some of these uh, ideas and opportunities. That's all the time we have for today, though. So thank you again, Giorgio, and thank you uh, for tuning in, everyone. I'm Cameron Groom. And I'm Janet Silver, and this is Diagnostics Beyond the Lab. Till next time. <laughs>